Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoop's Journey. Um, this, by far, is going to be our most unique um, and probably one of our most exciting, at least for me personally, um, interviews we've had. A, a gentleman that uh, I have a bit of a bit of a storied past with, and have followed his journey um, through sport. Um, kind of a face of uh, Canadian media. Uh, the, the gentleman who has a huge passion for U Sport, CIS, CIAU. He's been around that long um, and works for Sportsnet now. Um, is one of the hosts of Tim and Sid. We are super thrilled to have Tim McAlifon. How are you, sir? I feel like there's now pressure on me uh, to perform uh, with an intro <laughs> like that. I am well. I am, uh, I am sitting in the basement in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, that is global and has stopped everything that I know near and dear. But I'm good, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Uh, all things considered, to be honest with you, I'll knock on this wood. Uh, that was my head, um, and uh, I think I think we're you know the family's doing well. Everyone's healthy, and uh, I'm relatively sane for the moment. But uh, been through the roller coaster like everybody else, so I, I feel like I'm in a good spot right now. And I'll take it as long yeah. as I can get it. Yeah, that, that's probably the best way to put it. And that's usually how we kind of, because of this crazy time, we intro and kind of talk to people about how things are going. And, you know, obviously a unique thing for you from a work standpoint, you know, your life is, <laughs> your life is sport <laughs> and then sport gets shut down. And then, you know, like you said, now you're doing it from your basement. And yeah. so it's just so many different things. And I, I think the big thing is, you know, we, we can beat ourselves up and, and get caught up in the nonsense and the chaos or just try to find a way to find the small wins and the positive moments because that's really the only way I think many of us have been able to kind of get through this, you know? Yeah, I've been, uh, at first I was rattled, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I was, you know, what the hell am I going to do? There's no sports. I'm going to have a job. Like, um, you know, am yeah. I going to have to start doing politics, which would have been the worst thing ever because <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now I hate <laughs> politics. But, um I was just like, you know, like I think a lot of people who are alpha, take control of your life, um, you know, try and create your own destiny kind of people, all of a sudden all that was taken away. And I was rattled, to be honest with you. And then I started, you know, Googling the word evolve, uh, finding quotes and posting them on my wall <laughs> and realizing, hey, like nothing in life is guaranteed. I knew that when I got into the business a long time ago when you and I crossed paths. In, uh, mm -hmm. in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, you get, you get caught in your ways. And I was in that spot at the start of all this, but, uh, I was glad to have learned that I could just Google things that would teach me that I knew this when I started, how did I get so comfortable? Let's get back to the grind. So I'm grinding from the yeah. basement and I'm glad sports are back. I don't know how long we'll, <laughs> we'll have them and <laughs> how long they'll go away again, but, uh, you know, I'm riding with it right now. Yeah. I love that. You know, we one of the big focuses for this podcast, at least from a selfish standpoint for Corbin and I, is like kind of just the life lessons that we get along the way um, through sport and, yeah. you know, whatever, trying to get to your career path. So that's a huge thing. Like uh, my wife actually started doing the same thing, not during, um, not during COVID or anything, but just like started to write things down all of a sudden we had all these stickies all over our place and just kind of reminders for herself because she she changed jobs too and has to work from home now and it's kind of feels like groundhog day a lot of times so just being able to see things 
that you can soak in. Maybe even you're not even reading it directly, but it's there and it's, you know, you're kind of yeah. soaking it in and it's helping your mind kind of just be in a better place. So that's awesome. Right on. Yes. Yeah, so, subliminal reminders. I have like a whole, someone gave it a, uh, uh, I think I sent it to Donovan Bennett, who works with me at Sportsnet. And uh, he called it an inspiration wall, which sounded way better than me uh, saying I wrote stuff down and stuck it up on the wall with painter's tape. Like that was that was the way I described it. And he said, it's an inspiration wall. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's green tape up all over my room for my kids to see. Um, I'm a big believer in quotes and, and learning from people who are way smarter than me um, and some that aren't way smarter than me. Um, but mm -hmm. I, so I go, I go with a lot of quotes and the quotes go up on the wall and that's kind of yeah. everything that I've learned in my life either comes from sports, playing, watching, studying, and, or quotes that I've ripped off other people. In fact, I, I, I have, a, I have a quote that I, I, the ability to quote is a serviceable replacement for wit. And that quote <laughs> was by Mark Twain. So nice. <laughs> I stole it from Mark Twain and I use it in my life. I love it. Yeah. And that's sweet. Before we start practice every day, I throw some sort of quote and most of the, most of the kids, you know, grade 11, 12 age, they just give me a side eye. Like who is this crazy dude? But you know, if you can kind of just, if you can just take one or two things away from the, you know, whatever we have 50 practices in a season from, you know, those it's powerful stuff. That's great. So I think that's a good transition there. You're talking about sport in your life. What, what was a young Tim McAuliffe like growing up and what were the sports and, and activities that he was into and um, at, at what age and why, like who were the mentors that kind of came into your life when you were young and, and got you into sport? Right. Um, I'm the youngest of four boys uh, in a ridiculously athletic family. So I had absolutely no choice. <laughs> whether So my dad played some minor pro hockey um, and he, he went to this, uh, St. Mike's was the, uh, St. Thomas Moore of Toronto for hockey. Uh, it was a, a, a big hockey factory and my dad grew up in the area. Um, his family, all Maltese and wasn't really, you know, they weren't hockey people and Malta is a tiny Island just south of Italy. So they lived in an Italian neighborhood. Um, and all the kids went to Catholic school and this St. Mike's was a hockey school and he became a hockey player just like everybody else that was at the school. And he ended up playing with some big time pros like Dave Keon. You can Google him. He's in the hockey hall of fame, Frank Mahovlich, uh, Dick Duff, all these guys, hall of famers. And they, they played with my dad, Jerry Cheevers. And he kind of just minor pro it. He didn't, he didn't make it all the way. And then, uh, started playing senior hockey and then got a job at Ford and, you know, settled down in the family life. And I was the youngest of four boys, like I said, and they were all, um, football hockey. And mm. I was just like, I guess because I wasn't a good enough athlete, they were all really good athletes, like uh, university level, junior B, junior A hockey players. And, I wasn't good. <laughs> so, so I played everything trying to find something that I was good at. I played basketball. I played volleyball. I played hockey. I played football. Um, I played baseball in, in high school. I played every sport that they would let me play. And then they forced me to quit in my seat, my junior and senior years. And we had OAC or grade 13 back in the day, which shows how old I am. If you couldn't tell by my hairline on TV, um, <laughs> but they, they made me quit sports because I was playing too many. 
And I was just like, oh. I, I love everything. Like, leave me alone. I'm not going to play past grade 13. And I know it because I suck. But just let me play them. You know, and I was like, good yeah, enough yeah. to be, I was good enough to be like a captain of, of high school hockey and football. And I was like captain of my junior basketball team. Um, just because I got all the sports, like I understood them and I loved them and I was passionate and I was dedicated. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have anything called, um, natural talent. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of my, my story. Like, I, and, and by the time I realized, and this will help you as a coach, but by the time I realized you could work your way into being really good, it was almost too late. You right. know what I mean? So yeah. by the time I became dedicated, like I really got hockey. I understood hockey. Mm -hmm. I was the smartest player on the ice a lot of the time, but mm -hmm. I couldn't skate well. And right. by the time I realized if you just work on your skating, you'd be really good. I was probably like 15 or 16 and it was, it was too late. And so like, I kind of put yeah. that work ethic into football and I put that work ethic into basketball, but all of them were kind of too late. And so I was just a good high school athlete, which is, to be honest with you, um, probably good for me because I would have played university football and concussed myself several times for absolutely no reason. And so right. I'm kind of glad um, that I was just a good <laughs> high school athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can I can only imagine uh, what the backyard or basement was like in your house growing up. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, it must have been just a bloodbath on most days. Um, yeah, so we used to play this game. I'll just tell you one thing. So we had an unfinished basement, and uh, I'm actually sitting in it right now because I bought the house that I grew up in. And uh, awesome. when I was young, it was unfinished. And like sometimes when I close my eyes, I can see the horror that used to transpire down here. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Did you have brothers growing up or? Yeah, I got an older brother in the basement. Right. Yeah, it was like my mom spent her whole life. Like, I th think she did the grouse grind every day because she was up and down the stairs, like, refereeing us. <laughs> for yeah. 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 They just left this down here. And so I'm four <laughs> years younger than my uh, closest brother. And oh, remember, wow. they're all athletic. So yeah. we used to play mini sticks and my dad's brilliant idea was, okay, I'm going to take all of the used mattresses that we have and I'm going to put mm. those downstairs and maybe that will provide some sort of cushion to the falls that the youngest keeps taking in this house. And they used to, I'll just tell a quick story, a synopsis of, of yeah. um, I lost half of my two front teeth uh, on, you know, those poles that come down in the uh you know in, in your basement you have those just uh they're just metal poles that hold up the whole house i yep. lost half yep. of the, my two front teeth on one of those poles <laughs> and i i broke my wrist in the basement so those are two of what they used to do is they would strap a plastic football helmet on me and we played this game called goal line and all three of them would line up in front of the mattresses and say you've got to get to the goal line and into the end zone now, me being the idiot younger brother, I would run full blast. They would drill me backwards, and I would land nowhere near the mattresses because the mattresses were the touchdown. And so right. then they started telling me, well, do you ever watch Walter Payton? He goes over the top. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes complete sense. I'll go over the top. That, that's, that's, that's amazing. And so I would jump 
and they would just submarine my legs and I would do flips and I would land on the mattresses. So that's okay. <laughs> so, so that was, that's just, that's just an idea of what transpired in the basement that I'm currently sitting in. Um, yeah, that, which is insane, but the way we live without video games and, and NBA yep. 2k, like, uh, we could, yeah. <laughs> we weren't playing 2k. There was no chance I was yeah. getting in the galaxy opal, right? Like my galaxy yeah, opal yeah, was yeah. getting over the goal line. <laughs> Maybe Corbin gets the Galaxy Opal reference. I don't know if it. <laughs> oh, shaking his head. Nope. Nope. All right. The kids, your players will get. It. Yeah, and I I love too like the uh, the exposed pole in the house too. We had a couple of those as well. And those are you know they found better ways to build homes these days, I guess. But yeah, the the big I, I can vision the black metal pole that we're trying to dance around every day. Yeah, that's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. you know. You know, and then so then with the older brothers going to their games and seeing them and, right. you know, seeing them be a part of teams, that obviously was a huge motivation just for you to, to be a part of something. And like, I don't know, everybody usually that we've interviewed has been pretty humble. And, and one of the things that for this podcast was, um, especially in your business where you're talking all the time, but you're not really talking about yourself, right? I think it's uncomfortable. And so it's been fun to give people a platform to not brag, but just talk about themselves and let people know, Hey, maybe I can do something like Tim McAuliffe or uh, Steve mega or Scott Morrison, whatever. Right. And, and what their stories yeah. are. And so when you're in high school and like, did you know when you were in grade 11 and 12 already that you're like, okay, I know I'm not pursuing post-secondary sports. Was it a little bit of a dream? And when did the transition from going, okay, I athletically, I know I'm not going to move on, but I still really want to be involved in sport. Cause I've, you know, I have a soft spot for people like that because my bro was, he managed at UBC, got his engineering degree in five years, managed the whole time for, under Bruce ends. And then yeah. when I played at Langley, he already had an engineering job, but came back for like three years and sat on the bench and took stats just because it was like he just loved sport and loved being yeah. around it and i think it's such a powerful thing so when did as, as you know and and tie in like puberty trying to fit in uh you know trying to pick up girls yeah. trying to get not, something more than a c plus and then figure out what what tim McAuliffe is going to do after grade 13 <laughs> uh, <laughs> a <loaded> question. <laughs> yeah i know it's so i'll i'll basically i watch my brothers and i realize that I wasn't as good as them. So it was kind of easy for me to transition. But I think there was still like, um, I had this, you know, like this passion for sports. And I, so when I realized I could put it in, I was like, well, maybe I could play um, football at the next level. And, you know, I was probably about um, six foot, 185 pounds, and I couldn't get over the hump, and I worked out all the time. And then in grade, so my grade 11, 12, 13, I broke my leg, separated my shoulder, and tore my ACL. And oh so, <laughs> yeah, I was, and I, I hadn't had an injury before that, Aaron. I was perfectly injury-free yeah. before, before yeah. three in a row. So I, I, it kind of like, it forced me to rethink what I was going to do. And mm -hmm. I was... Um, I was valedictorian in grade eight of my, uh, I don't know, um, I guess we call it grade school. Um, yeah, and I had, sure. a, yeah. I had a 63 average and I was the valedictorian. <laughs> I was co-valedictorian. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, but what does that I, say, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, and I, it was just a teacher who saw something in me. 
And that's yeah. what she did. She made me valedictorian because she realized, you know, I got along with everybody. I related to everybody. I never played the, I'm a, you know, in grade eight, I was a good athlete. Um, I never played the, I'm a jock. I'm better than everybody card. And I think she saw that in me mm-hmm. and she made me co-valedictorian. And so that gave me kind of the confidence. Oh, I can talk in front of people and I can do that. And so I started thinking in maybe grade 10, 11, even though there was a cling of hope that I could still somehow be a pro, I think I knew in my, in my gut that I wouldn't be. So mm. it, it was like, how do I stay close? And the first thought I had, to be honest with you, was I'd be a cameraman. I, oh, wow. I, I'd do the camera at games. And, mm-hmm. you know, there were no Raptors, no Grizzlies at the time. Um, so I'm thinking, ah, I can go to, you know, Leaf games or Habs games and be one of the camera guys. And I got a... Um, I spoke to a guidance counselor in high school and I got a summer school co-op job at a radio station. And it was, I didn't need the summer school credit. I didn't have to go to summer school. It was just an idea and I'd just try it out. And I got hooked and I was like, this is good. I'd love to do this. And it was a radio station and I wrote the traffic for the guy who read the traffic. (laughs) And then I said, I like sports. And they said, well, if you want to write sports, write a report for, the person who's doing the traffic and they're like, yeah, that's pretty good. And they started reading them. So they would do sports oh, and traffic nice. and they added it. And so, um, I kind of chased it that way and I ended up going to Carleton. Um, they had a pretty good journalism program. And by that time, uh, I got my marks up. I, you know, I, I kind of realized, um, in high school that if you work hard at things, people will help you. Um, mm. It's such a coach's thing. I go through it with my son all the time. My son is so he, he's he's um, he's not a great athlete, but he's so he thinks every game. He's ten years old, and yeah. he thinks every game so well um, that he doesn't have to work at it. Uh-huh. And I try and tell him all the time, like every coach wants to see you work, and when you work. Um, They'll do things for you. And it's such a, I was that kid and every teacher wanted to help me because I worked hard and because I wasn't maybe the most talented and Mm -hmm. because I was getting every inch of like referees loved me, you know, (laughs) like once my, 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 my claim to fame was in a junior basketball game against Neil McNeil in Toronto um, they had a star player and I fouled them out on five charges. It was <laughs> like that, that, that was, and the refs loved it. The ref, if, if you're a player on Aaron's team, every referee, and maybe I'm doing a, doing you a disservice, Aaron, or maybe I'm doing you a favor. Every referee at the high school level loves to call a bleeping charge. They love yeah. it. They love yeah. kids who take charges and they will give them to you even if they're not even close. And so I was that kid and, and that's kind of, so I got a lot of help and people wanted to help me because I worked hard and then I realized kind of, okay, I better work hard and get marks if I want to, you know, go to university and do something other than sports. And so I got my marks up. I got into Carleton journalism and, and, uh, and I carried that over to Carleton journalism. I carried that over to maybe not with my marks cause I ended up dropping out, but I did everything that I possibly could around the school to get experience in the field that I wanted to work in. Right. And it's sorry. I put a lot in there. there. It was a long question, no, no, but I got to put a long, no, no, 
No, that's amazing stuff. Uh, first thing I want to note is if you're playing for our program, three charges in a game is uh, is steak dinner. So, oh really? Uh, you would have got a steak. Yeah, you would have. Oh yeah. Oh you get, my you take god, I would have had a three. lot of steak dinners. Yeah, yeah, you would have put me, uh, you know, my teacher's salary. Hey, I would, yeah. <laughs> I had a buddy named Todd Sadler, who is now an assistant coach at the University of Hartford, a uh, women's soccer team. We played soccer there, and we played basketball together, and we both were similar players, and um, we would we would have a, a like a competition who could draw more charges in a game. And that was our, like, that was our competition playing basketball. And I told him he once won because his nose blew up after he took a charge. <laughs> just, he shattered his whole nose and it was just leaking all over the court. I've never seen so much blood in my life. And I, I all right, you win for the year. You're good. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. And the, the, I think the, the key thing there is, you know, everybody that we've chatted with and you've kind of said it subtly as well is like some they've all done something that maybe made them uncomfortable or something that they didn't really have to to get where they needed right like a oh, like yeah. scott morrison yeah i don't know yeah. if you know his story that, that you know I like yeah. taking a sabbatical and, and going to the main red claws and picking up towels and jay triano is like you know the 13th man on the national team and taking stats wondering when his chances to actually you know get a chance to play or you know steve mega tears his knee and then sits there and takes notes on every person that he's going to play against when he's healthy to dissect them and then you know you you take that radio gig knowing that hey this isn't something i need to do but i'll learn a lot and i might fall on my face a few times but you know this may one if i do a good job this will create some you know some boundaries and some people some bridges for you know moving forward and i'll get a crazy amount of experience so just to, to you know i think it's a huge thing for younger people that are trying to figure out what they want to do in life to realize like it's once you step out of your comfort zone and do something that maybe you're not sure how it's going to go. That's when the growing and the learning really happens. And I've done that a hundred times, Aaron. Like, yeah, I still I, doing I, it I probably. Give, right. Yeah. Yeah. I could give you, yeah. um, I could give you 10 more really good examples of that. And I notice yeah. it, especially in coaches and, you know, like some players, like, listen, if, if you are, um, Asha Baines early in his career. If you are uh, um, the guy who just, if you're Steve Nash at St. Mm -hmm. Michael's and people are like, holy crap, that guy's good. Then maybe, mm -hmm. maybe this isn't for you, for everybody else. It's a, it, it is a lesson that I hear from every athlete. Every, like, and I'm talking guys who make the pros, the guys who are the best in their city. They say the same mm -hmm. thing about, mm -hmm. and coaches, without a doubt, um, you have to sacrifice something in order to get to where you want to go. And that lesson, like when people ask me for advice um, and how to get into my business, I always say, take every piece of work that you can get. If it's cool. volunteer, if it's paid, if it's not, just do it. And you'll see what you yeah. like and what you don't like, and you'll figure out where you want to be and where you don't want to be. And you know, I think that goes a long way in life period. Yeah. And where did you learn that? Was it, was it a family thing? Was there a, was there a coach along the way or is it something you just picked up just through, through life uh, lessons on your own? 
Yeah, I've always been like, I've always been a, a pretty curious person and I'd always watch mm. people. And I think just watching my dad and my three older brothers, um, like my oldest brother was an alpha, like just, you know, he was 5'10", 225, running back at Western, um, <laughs> took life by, you know, he, had a, he got his MBA after, uh, I think it was like, Three and a half years he was done his MBA at Western, which is a good business school. Like, just he was unbelievable work ethic and, uh, yeah, and maybe too much, right? Like, either the balance was, and then I had a brother who was the complete opposite who dropped out of school in grade 12, and you know, he's now working in IT and had to go about it the wrong, you know what I mean? Like, the long way, like, for sure. And yeah, and he DJed, and and that was his life. And then I had a brother yeah. in between who was um, probably the most naturally talented athlete among the group, but didn't work as hard as everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, it wasn't even work. He worked hard, but he didn't have the I'm good enough, look at me, watch me, you know, that kind of mentality. He was, yeah. he was perfectly comfortable laying in the weeds. And because of it, I, I think people looked over him a lot. And right. so I was like, all right, I, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a combination of all of these people in my life and yeah. take the good of all the people or the things that I see as, as, as good characteristics from all the people in my life. Good Lad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the lower mainland. The owner Shane Meyer has worked hard to create a personal experience offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in-store, if you mention a Hoops Journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Cool. And so, you know, you, you did you say that you dropped out of the program at Carleton? Like you didn't yeah, finish that yeah, out? Or? Didn't make it yeah, okay. didn't make it through. So, yeah. so to make the long story so short, I, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. No, no, you go for say, it. I, yeah. When I was when I was 16, I lost my brother, my oldest brother, the one with the work ethic, and yeah. I think that gave me perspective. And often I say that I, I, this is a Tim McAuliffe original. Perspective is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, when you get perspective, it comes through something expensive. It goes through comes through a pandemic, right? Like it comes through mm-hmm. losing someone close to you. And there's people who are lucky who figure it out before they have to go through the tough times. But mm-hmm. the tough times can shape you, and that was kind of um, that was a big part of my 
um, okay, well, let me do something that I love. Let me find something that I love. Let me stay in sports. Let me work at this. Um, that was kind of my perspective. And I think that's, I think people finding perspective is, um, is important and finding something you love and a passion and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's pretty clear, you know, like when people tune into you, whether it's via the podcast or see you on TV, like you, it's clear that you love what you do. And I think that's the key, right? Regardless of you were, ended up being a cameraman or you were just radio or you're in behind the, you know, in front of the TV, whatever it is, you know, finding thing that when you wake up every day, we all have days where it's a bit of a grind and a hump, but like most days, of course, I think it's pretty clear that you it, it gets pretty clear that you guys love what you're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, we're, yeah. and we're we're lucky, but there are times like you know, um, working on a national television show goes coast to coast. There's a lot of you know when we were doing a podcast, no one messed with us, and now there's like a lot yeah. of fingers uh, in yeah. the you know trying to stir the drink and stirring it the wrong way and blah blah sure. blah. But I, uh, I I'm gonna go to my inspiration wall, otherwise known as the things that I taped against my wall. Because I want to yes. find you a quote that I, uh, where did I put it? Oh, there it is. Uh, the real secret how many, of life. How many got up there? Uh, about 10 or Sorry. 15. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the real secret of life is to be completely engaged with what you are doing in the here and now. And I think that's what you're that's kind of what you were saying when you first started, like to love it and to understand it. But for me, it's just focusing on what you're doing in the here and now. And it doesn't have to be love. It it can be, you enjoy the process. Right. Um, Which is another thing that I'm always trying to tell my son about sports, right. Is make the process fun. However you can make it fun because that's, that's how you'll get better. 100% 100% and just being present in the moment too right in it you know in a time where yeah. like we've talked about we're in a pandemic and you know my wife is in the medical field right and so she's always paying attention and you know wants to kind of predict what's going to happen or th- always thinking about that whereas my approach is kind of like all right I'm just going to worry about what's happening today and then move forward to the next day and being present because I, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this thing and then I'm going to drive myself absolutely bananas you know <laughs> yeah. yeah I've been yeah. both yeah I've been, I've been yeah. your wife and I've been you. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, and I think, I honestly think, and I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast and I'm not saying this yeah. because we bonded over Tex Phillips in, uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, yes. But I believe that your way is the better way right now. Um, right. There's times where you can't, you can't control the world. You can only control your response to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Good, awesome stuff so far. Now let's just when do when do things start to come together for you? Like when when does when do you realize like wow you know you get your kind of first real good crack at things, um, in in your career starts to sort of take off. That's a good one because I think I, I, I honestly feel I'm not just saying this like I feel like I that's happened a bunch of different times. Um, mm-hmm. One of the big things for me was uh, so I started at the score way back in the day and the score was the precursor to Sportsnet 360 um, yes. and the old school heads like Aaron uh, <laughs> know what I'm talking about and uh, the other folks are like what the hell is the score it's like an app on my phone um, it used to be a TV station 
<laughs> and uh, so I left Carleton University. I dropped out. Um, I, w- my, I lost my brother when I was 16, and I acted like I was tough and it was not going to stop me. And then when I was at school, um, I was just probably incapable of, of being um, completely present. And so I dropped mm. out, and I was working at Bell Mobility, and I cold-called every television station in Toronto, and no one would take me until this place called The Score said, yeah, come in, and um, you can interview for a, a volunteer position. And all I was looking for was a volunteer position, and I'm like, this is the best one of them all for me. Um, yeah. You know, like I was trying to get into whatever station I could, and I'm like, this is hardcore sports guys. Like, this is perfect. And so I started there, and uh, there are two. There are two breaks. One was um, as an intern, and by the way, the interns at the score for for those who uh, who are listening were me, Sid Sixero, Cabral Richards, Adnan Verk. Those were four interns at the score wow. at the same time. And Cabby's now yeah. at Bleacher Report. He's all over. If you watch sports in Canada, you know who he is. And Adnan Burke yeah. was on the score in TSN and Raptors broadcast and now moved to ESPN and works for MLB Network, NHL Network, um, out of Secaucus, New Jersey now. So, like, yeah. it's like, yeah. for me, like, <laughs> some of the, the best guys in our country that are under 50 uh, were interns together at the score. And so, um, yeah, it was just a great environment that's, that's to learn. So wild, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, and and it would never happen again. And we all lament the fact that, like, I mean, we used to play foot hockey in the halls of the score. Like, <laughs> I was just going to say, how like, much fun was it? It must have been oh, so much it was, fun. It was. Un- I mean, I think you know um, when you met me in Halifax. Like we mm-hmm. would, we would work our ass off and then go party, right? Yeah. Like it was just, yeah. you know, like we'd be out at the clubs with the players after the same way, um, you know, and we would just, you know, um, we would work, but we would also, it was, it was so much fun. Like I could, I could give you a hundred different stories from those times at the score. Um, and it was just a lot of yeah. fun and a lot of really hard workers given an opportunity that they never would have been given at a real station. And I say a real right. station because the score was just, it was so small, but it did so much and hit such a level that if you could work, they gave you an opportunity. That's awesome. And it actually, yeah. when you think about the score too, and how it kind of just, you know, it snowballed, right? It was like one of the first uh, things that had actually, like when I look back at our games, they mean this is 2001 and like you got, there was a ticker, you know what I mean? Like just the different yeah. things and the creative things. And then, you know, court surfing was obviously like legendary. And like when, when I first got into court surfing and I heard you say, Vladi Dottie, we like to party. I was like, I, this is a man <laughs> that I need to, I need to uh, connect with at some point. And I think people from our generation, surfing even you know corbin corbin is what are you corbs 25 25 and he knows court surfing right and cabbie on the street and you know uh like the cabbie on the street gear and just so so many so many funny cool things and and it was awesome and i was yelling daddy sorry yeah oh no problem (laughs) i'll get what's up layla um just all 
just so many cool things. Like uh, I was thinking last night, like you were doing the sideline reporting and it was um, Heaney and Elliot Friedman, like, right. Yeah. Like Elliot Friedman was doing the play by play for the, for the CIS nationals, like, and look at how his career has taken off. So when you name those four, you know, yourself included, plus a guy like Friedman and what, what that turned into and just a bunch of guys that, had fun, but also worked their tails off to, to get through it. Cause I think I'm not knowing much yeah. about your field. It, it ain't pretty at the start, right? Like you got to be able to no. put your head down and, and do a lot of things that a lot of people probably wouldn't do, you know, just to, to get that resume yeah. built and, and make connections. And then, but I, what was your experience like? And we'll talk, we're going to jump into, you know, your, your history with U sport, you're coming up on like 20 years, right? So yeah. what was that I, I guess yeah, you literally were starting when I was playing, right? So yeah. how, how much fun was that and how fun has it been to be, a, you know, not only talk about things like the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, you know, the MLS, major sports, but also being able to cover the same sports that your brothers played and, and see and, and keep the passion alive for, for Canadian university sport as well. If you don't mind just talking a little bit about the yeah. progression through that and, and, um, and how no fun problem. and what it means to you to be able to call those games and stuff. So I, I'm going to add two things. One was yeah. not only was Elliot Friedman doing the play by play, but the guy who yeah. was producing those games for the score, his name's yeah. Brian Spear. He does all of hockey night in Canada. He produces all of hockey night in Canada's studio stuff and has been for years. So Crazy. anytime you see hockey, so he's, you know, at the top of his game too. And he started with us doing. Uh, I guess we didn't. We didn't even get to do uh, the national championship game. I think we did the early games, and then yeah. TSN bigfooted us. Um, yeah, and that's why Brandon lost to St. FX in overtime. One hundred percent. you would have won. Yeah, you guys did. You you guys did the quarterfinal games. Yeah, and then TSN yeah. um, jumped in. But you're right. Bigfoot. Yeah, the score would have yeah. definitely helped us. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, my first break, and I was going to say, this is like one of the, one of the big things that, so I was, I was writing a lot of stuff for everyone else. Once I progressed beyond, um, an intern and I was writing these NFL previews and I would write them every week. And, uh, some guy with a big voice would come in and he would voice them and he couldn't pronounce any of the names. And so mm -hmm. every time I'd have to go. Yeah, Randall Cunningham. Like it's not that Cunningham. Like just say it. Like and and everyone felt bad for me, right? Like because I would sit there with the guy and do it every time, and he was just a literally just a voice guy, and didn't really care about sports. And one day he couldn't show up, and the guy goes, "Just read them yourself. Like you can do it." And I was awful, um, but I read them and and. So I kind of got a foot in the door. And then uh, James Sobolski, another guy at the score, uh, who has moved on to bigger and better things, now uh, in Vancouver, as you well know, yeah. Um, he was supposed to do uh, Dino Cup Volleyball in Calgary, which was a yeah. preseason tournament. You know it? Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a preseason tournament between Canadian and American teams. And, uh yeah. I was uh, I was a city of Toronto uh, champion in grade eight uh, for volleyball, and I said, "Hey, if Sabolski couldn't do it," and I said, "Hey, if Sabolski can't do it, I can do it." And they're like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Send me out there." And so, like, I studied the unstudyable, um, 
which was Canadian University men's volleyball. Yeah. And uh, I showed up there, and there were a couple of coaches who were super good about helping me out and uh, and and telling my bosses, you know, oh, he, he worked really hard in this. And so they kept giving me opportunities based on this dino cup. And I don't even know how good I was, but I really liked volleyball. It's another sport that I had played and was, was, uh, was passionate about. I liked the game. And so, um, that kind of started me on the, on the U sports CIS, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, train. And I just, Mm -hmm. I always felt like if, if I had have continued, these coaches, these players would have been me. Uh, my brothers were those guys. And so yep. there was always a passion for one, um, showing the respect that they showed me just coming in. And two, mm-hmm. knowing that if I wasn't doing this, I probably would have become a teacher and a coach. And mm-hmm. um, having, having watched my brothers... Um, you know, on local cable university and, and here in uh, Ontario, there was a station called CH that used to do a game of the week, uh, for university. And they used to do a really good job of it and they would work really hard at it. And I always yeah. thought like, that's so cool for the families to have that VHS tape, uh, eventually that DVD of their kid or you growing up and having, you know, your game on TV. And uh, yeah. my oldest brother tore up the University of Waterloo for like uh, 185 yards and three touchdowns. And then you got the interview after the game, you know, yeah. and that was just so cool. And so I was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to give that to other people. And they just kept giving me new sports stuff because that's all really the score had. And I you yeah. know, showed this passion for it. Um, and other guys were just like, ah, I don't want to do that. Like my, my friends used to call me uh, CIS women's basketball. Because that's yeah. that's what they said I had mounted to, was CIS like with some sort of rip like, and now and now they're like that that CIS women's basketball got you somewhere right right yeah. you know I would take that yeah. super serious like I would take that um, as serious as I could um, yeah and to this day if I get it I take it serious um, yeah because I think it tells people a lot about you but that's just me for sure no 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 absolutely man I, that's great stuff and and you're totally right you know you know obviously my last year in brandon there you know that it's not a time where you're, you're texting and all these things but it was cool like when we got back home and you know well back to brandon or just receiving emails and calls saying oh, you know my buddies out in bc were watching the game right and it's just like wow yeah. that's which is like just such a cool experience to be a part of um because for a lot of us, you know, who didn't get to move on maybe to play pro or, to, you know, at the national team level, like that's the pinnacle, right? And and right. To, to have it done really well and professional, I think is super cool. And just to see it get better, you know, each year and just, you know, all that stuff. So um, you know, put you on the you spot. Know what I'll you go, you know what no, I'll go ahead. Yeah. I want to add to it mm-hmm. is, is that because I was a failed athlete, I also realized how good the athletes were. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was a I yeah. was a good high school athlete, and I would go yeah. and watch you guys play um, on a national level basketball and go, "Holy crap! Like these guys are really good." And mm-hmm. at my high school, um, I played point guard, and the reason I stopped playing basketball after junior, even though I was a captain, was I was behind a guy named Eddie McGarrion and another guy named Sherwin Ben, and both those guys ended up being 
um, if not all Canadian OUA All Stars at U of T. Yeah. And it was yeah. just like, there's no way I was going to. And the guy after me, <laughs> who a year younger, his name was Courtney Dennis, and he played at a JUCO in the States. And so, like, right. we weren't this big, powerful school, but in fact, we were probably one of the smaller schools in the Toronto area. But we just had this cavalcade of point guards, and I stopped playing. And, but, yeah. and I knew they were good. So I was around guys that were good, and I'm watching at this level and going, man, like, I've watched NCAA games, and these guys are just as good as the NCAA. Yeah. Like, I used to go down all the time. I'd just drive down to Buffalo and watch Kamisha's play or, you know, do things like that. And I'm like, these guys are just yeah. as good. And and yeah. that was a big part of it. I realized how good U Sports was. And I always want, and I think you know this about me, I always wanted to shine a light on just how good the players were that were on the field, the court, the ice. And it, it's every sport. They're way better than Canadians give credit to because we have some sort of inferiority complex that you have to have a D1 scholarship to be any good. Yeah. Yeah. And only so one true. was offered to Steve Nash, right? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like how, rid- one. how ridiculous is that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beyond yeah, ridiculous. MVP. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always like to talk just a little bit um how fun was Halifax like what did you think of that experience like I you know it play, when I played at Langara we won a national championship you know ran with Randy Knorr and stuff and had some great opportunities you know we finished um third at the nationals coach as Hansen. well and but you got it yeah coach yeah. Hansen um he was our previous he'll be our previous guest um to you um and oh, but when shoes. I got that's I know, right? Shoes. Yeah, I don't know if I can follow that. Put me ahead of him. You, <laughs> you want us? Yeah, you want us to move move you ahead? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just like the way that the people in the Maritimes supported the national championships and just playing in the Metro Center. Like that was something I'd never really been a part of. And you know, the game that you guys had with the score was St. Mary's, and then to play X in the final, like we got the two. Well, we played Western in the semi again, but just it was bananas. Like I just couldn't believe yeah. the support and how great it really was. Yeah. If, uh, that was kind of, to be honest with you, watching St. FX win that national championship and Fred Perry, Denny Oliver, um, they were kind of, they were local yeah. guys too. Right. So yeah. There Culture. Was just, right. Right. Um, yeah. I hope you can't hear the lawnmower that's rolling around. Uh, they rushed the floor. It looked like yeah. it looked like it was the NCAA, like it was high, big time NCAA stuff. Yeah. And, um, Do you remember was, that game? Do you remember what happened? Oh yeah, yeah. Miss Creek. They called the foul. Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> Go yeah. Ahead. No, yeah, they, yeah. They they called the over the back with no time on the clock. And uh, I think Heaney might have been doing the game as well, or it was uh, uh, was it, his name Paul Romanuk? Yeah, Romanuk. He was doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he said something to the effect of like that might be the worst call I've ever seen because the guy would have had to have thrown it over his head backwards the full length of the court, you know, at the horn. And so he's got two free throws in a tie so game over the back and half our defensive th- end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Half our team is in the locker room, like you know, in their underwear, and he misses both free throws. And like you said, like I remember the ex fans, like their toes were on the sidelines, waiting to just rush the floor, and he missed both. And I and I think it ended up they turned it into a Visa commercial later. It was quite, it was pretty funny. But 
you're you're right like just the way that they rushed the floor and it was yeah it was crazy experience yeah it was and and yeah that was i was it was partly because it was um atlantic teams at home and yeah excellent back-to-back uh with randy nor as their as the point guard um yeah and and it it made it look like it, it was so crazy each time they won and people in canada if you showed it back to them they wouldn't believe that that happened in canada now like just because yeah. it's so foreign and you know i've had a right. couple where like dallas made a run and and the metro centers jump in a little bit but nothing like that that was like eleven thousand to the rafters rush the floor yeah. and that was kind of like my first vision of this and i'm like holy crap this could be huge yeah. and yeah. i didn't realize yeah. that it had to be an atlantic team that wanted <laughs> to do that yeah uh, for you to go yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and then uh, but so the cool for you like move. yeah and so cool for you to see it from there and then you know 10 12 13 years later you're calling you're calling games with like a former toronto raptor point guard you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. like it's so cool to see how it's morphed and developed and um not to put you on the spot but in all your and it doesn't matter what sport is there a couple games that stand out to you that you've called that were like whoa that was that was a good one yeah yeah i mean um not that people can remember them, but I'll probably try and give contact. Uh, on a Saturday night um, in Ottawa, the first time Ottawa hosted, um, Acadia beat Carlton. And okay. um, they, they had probably, if you, if you um, had it in Vegas, it was probably Carlton minus 30, right? Like, yeah, Carlton yeah. was favored. And and Acadia had like freshmen coming off the bench and just drilling threes, like it was unbelievable. And I'll I'll never forget. Um, and it was just back and forth, and it was toe to toe, and it looked like a heavyweight bout, even though it was an underdog. Like Carlton kept looking like they were going to take control, like they always did. And yep. Acadia would answer, and they would answer, and they would answer, and. 186,000 people watched the game on TV against Hockey Night in Canada. And, wow. Um, I don't know if U Sports has ever done anything like that ever since. And like yeah. that at the time, that was a that was better than Raptor games. Like more people watched that game than most Raptor games. Now the Raptors have grown so much and they've become kind yeah. of a national team that. You know, they average probably, you know, 800,000. But at the time, you know, in 2004, 2005, uh, that was a huge number. So that one sticks out to me. Um, Stu Turnbull hit a game winner. I was looking at that one today, this this morning, yeah. (laughs) Um, That sticks out to me um, just because it was such a great game. Um, and he didn't he miss the free throws and then yeah, Western yeah. or whoever they tied it and then he hit the pull up right yeah so and Crazy. in the middle of that so we have this talk back button and if I'm not mistaken and I could be I could be way off here but if you were watching it, uh, Matthew Curtis was the point guard for Western is that right okay yeah um, I and think he, it was and he, he winked he winked yeah yeah, he, so he had two free throws to tie it, or maybe to go ahead. And Carlton's trash-talking him on the line before his second free throw. 
and he winks, and yeah. I noticed it as the play-by-play guy. And we have this yeah. talkback button that you can't hear, and you push the talkback button, you can talk to the producer. And I'm like, he winked, he winked, he winked, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Matthew Curtis for the second of two. He winked, he yeah. winked, and so they went and they found it and showed yeah. it back, and it was just such a classic moment. And so he's ice on the free throw line. He hits both free throws, and Carlton gets the ball back, and Stu Turnbull, who had just missed the free throws, um, yeah. goes down and nails a, a pull-up jumper. And it was clean, buzzer, game, set, match. People storm the floor. So that, awesome. you know, that's it. And I had a, a football game. Um we had I didn't get to do the greatest game ever which was in um, which was in Vancouver um, between McMaster and uh, Laval okay um, where they went to overtime and they went back and forth and it was un- that was the greatest game I've ever seen and TSN big footed me again and it was <laughs> my old partner Dwayne Ford calling it with Rod Black and I was so jealous and I was so mad but I had a Western yeah. Queens game and it was uh, Danny Brannigan and Michael Falls who were the first two quarterbacks to throw for 5,000 yards in CIS history and yeah. they were playing each other in the OUA final and it was just yeah. like uh, it ended up being like 44 43 and Falds tore his ACL and kept playing. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to watch the tape. That one's online too if you google it. I don't even remember the year and it had like yeah. Shamari Williams who was the first overall pick in the CFL draft. Um, it had um, you know, a few guys who played in the CFL, but it was just these two quarterbacks going toe to toe, and it was almost yeah. amusing by the end. Like we were laughing, me and Mike Morreale were laughing at how how many plays were made, and uh, Mike Mike Falls tears his ACL and is lying on the on the ground, and they have to put in uh, Donnie Marshall, the coach's son, in like his second year on the final drive of the game. <laughs> And here comes like like the Undertaker, Michael Falls. Uh, you know, like they lifted the casket. He gets up, he limps onto the field, and plays yeah. with a torn ACL. And uh, he looks like he's going to get sacked because he can't bleep and walk. Yeah, and he avoids a sack and gets a pass off to the goal line on like the second, like with twenty five seconds left on third down just as and it was like it was almost the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life and it was still the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life and I, I had a line at the end of the game yeah and it's either my best line or my worst line and I want you guys to be the honest judge of it I said okay. at the end of the okay. game I'm not sure anyone lost here we just ran out of time <sighs> poetic and I was like I was like that's a great like I I, I love it. However, if I'm on Western, F you, Ben. We lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we lost. Don't say that. You don't yeah. try and make this good. Like, yeah. I, and I was, at the time, I was like, I got to put this on my demo tape. Like, this is, this is my greatest line ever. I'm not sure anyone lost here. We just ran out of time. And then I started thinking about all these Western guys that went home and drank their misery away. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Nobody lost. And Queens won the Queens won the uh, the Vanier Cup that year. That's and crazy. So I think uh, when I think was Weston to this day says, "Screw that line. It wasn't that good." I like it, but I mean, I wasn't on the I wasn't on the Western sidelines, so I have a different perspective. Um, two two more questions for you before we just go to the lightning round. One, when you get to those moments, is it something you've practiced before, or is it just a nat- do you just rely on your instincts to take over in terms of how you're going to call that? I've always wondered that about um, you know guys that are in that situation. Do you, is there a few that you have in your kind of memory bank, or is it just an emotional feeling? Because it seems like the the best. And, you know, and when you're doing it, those, like I was listening to the Turnbull one, like you could tell you were just as excited watching that moment. It was very authentic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote one for Carlton, um, and yeah. it was uh, based on the poem The Raven. And I said something along the lines of, like, the the OUA will look down on the ravens nevermore. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so cheese. When I watched it back, I was like, that, that, is, that is awful. Like, what are you doing? And I promised I vowed I would never write anything again <laughs> after that. I was like, I mean, like, quote the Raven Edgar Allan Poe. Get out of here, you punk! Like, <laughs> I was like, that is not Scar. I'm from Scarborough in Toronto, and we pride yeah. ourselves on being blue collar and tough and hard yeah. nosed. Um, and and I was like, quote, quote it, the Raven, you idiot! Like, and uh, so the I, boys would have uh, been all over you for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would have ripped me for that one. So I, uh, <laughs> but they wouldn't watch that. So I, but I. Um, I said I'll never write one again, but what I did is I had a book, and I would write mm-hmm. down thoughts, and then before mm-hmm. a game, I would always read the book. And so I'd have stuff yeah. planted there, but I never wanted to write what the line would be. Right. Cool. I've always wondered that. Thanks for answering that. Um, <laughs> last kind of... Last- last kind of work related question. And I just, you know, it's think it's important, obviously, you know, just chatting with you. Well, when it's not uh, Las Vegas, I don't know if you remember that interaction, but uh, um, oh, yeah. do you remember? I forgot about Vegas. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was your stag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. That's why I kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was also at a uh, air quote coaching clinic. So yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where does, I also so, wrote, you know, I ran into smart there too. I ran oh, did into you? Dave smart that weekend. Yeah. And he'll never yeah. let me forget that one. Cause I was worse <laughs> than I was when I saw you. <laughs> love it um so someone who flicks on the tv maybe doesn't know your story has heard it now and knows a little more about it um what what do you do to continue to push yourself to get better at your craft and how do you not let yourself get complacent in what you do and think like other than you know a, a, a pandemic could shake someone up pretty quick and make them realize like yeah. whoa i've got a you know, like you said at the start, things can get taken away pretty quickly. But how do you continue to be the best version of yourself? You know, as a dad, you know, as a as an employee of yeah. Sportsnet. Like, how do you do, how do you do that? I have no answer for that, Aaron. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't know. I think I'm constantly searching for that balance, and I think that as mm-hmm. human beings, we should. Um, like, I think human beings, we we all fall into the traps. We all. Um, I was feeling myself pretty good in the last three years and thought like, okay, I can just kind of, I can, now I can be a dad and I can chill and I can, 
you know, like I like being a good dad or trying to be a good dad. Um, yeah. And then you realize quickly, like you'll fall out of the game if you don't keep. So I think it's, you know, that balance, however you can find it or whoever gives you the inspiration to find it, you need to search that out. Uh, ask mm. people, talk to people. Uh, I don't think I'll ever stop uh, attempting to learn or understand that. And when I, when I did, I felt like I fell way behind or when I thought that I figured it out, like I thought that was yeah. a, that was a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talk about it a lot here. Is, yeah. Just the growth mindset, right? Not, not getting yeah. stagnant. And, you know, I've been coaching high school ball for 16 years and you know, there's moments probably where it's like, Oh, you know, I got this, but you know, having younger people around me showing me, you know, different links and talking to me and questioning me. And it's, it's important for people to hear that no matter where you make it to, you got to keep working and, and be a better version of yourself. So thanks for sharing that answer. Even though, kind of floored you for a sec but i think you know it's it's no. a good one to think about uh, yeah 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 i'm i'm yeah. perfect uh, uh i don't know is a perfectly acceptable answer in uh in yeah. the mccallif household um <laughs> i think we need more i don't knows in the world these days uh yeah and more listening in the world these days um so i'm yeah when i don't know i'm not afraid to say i don't know you know like yeah and and yeah people just listen listen to people yeah That's... just got like 15 20 left here and then we're good so thanks so much okay all right so this is the some might think the most important part of the podcast is where we really find out about people and themselves um so we're going to fire a few questions at you and you just whatever comes to your mind first feel free to speak on how's that sound good okay uh for you Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? The controversial goat debate. Um, Jordan. Who? Who? Don't don't controversial this for me. <laughs> it's yeah. Jordan. Uh, I love LeBron yeah. James, and I, I give yeah. him um, the utmost respect. I think he is. Um, if they played one on one, I think LeBron would win. Um, okay. But but what Michael did. Um, with titles, MVPs, uh, how he did it, how he never lost and was the greatest always on the greatest stage puts him ahead of LeBron. Um, and so, uh, when you miss free throws late in the game, um, when, when there are points in your career where you could point to and say, he wasn't at his best in the, in the greatest games. When you go up against Michael Jordan, you lose because Michael Jordan always somehow was at his very best when it mattered the most, even when he was hung over. I mean, he had the flu. <laughs> the pizza, man. The pizza. The pizza. Yeah. yeah pizza. Sorry. Yeah, the pizza. 12, 12 guys delivered a pizza to his house or his, uh, his room. Yeah. yeah hotel room. Yeah. yeah. And in the, in the words of Tim McAuliffe, Twitter, make your free throws kids right? <laughs> yeah yeah i can't i can't tweet that out and then have lebron as my goat because he doesn't always make his free throws <laughs> um man i miss hosting the ncaa tournament <laughs> oh yeah no right yeah. Man. that was the make your free throws kids yeah i got to um the most important person or people in your life have been uh, my family, my dad and my brothers, without a doubt. Yeah. Nice. Okay. 
Um, I know you're a hip hop guy. There's only been so many people we've asked this question. Usually it's more of like what's spinning on your musical platform, but who are the, who are the, your favorite or who are the top five MCs of all time? Yeah. Oh man. Or just, just list off. No, 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 don't, don't make me shy away from. Okay. So Biggie is number one for me. Um, man, Tupac. Don't say it like a question, McAuliffe. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna remember someone, and I'm gonna get mad, and then you're gonna look it up. You're gonna remember after you mean. Yeah, and then I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to come back to it? No, no. Let's battle <laughs> through this. Like, where does Nas go? Because Nas is good, but did Nas last long enough to go? Like, I'm that guy, See, right? Me, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of people would have Nas, but I don't. I, I just I can't put him in there. I can't. Do okay, that. so I'm gonna go Biggie, Tupac, Jay Z, because we're Canadian. Yeah, Jay Z. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna put Rakim. And for those for those who don't know, um, please Spotify, Apple Music, because uh, he was no joke. Um, do you believe Little Wayne when he says that none of it is ever written down? No. Do you? M- me either. No. If it was never written down, it would make more sense and I would give him more love, but I don't mind if you write it down, if it's good, like Nas is absolutely not Nas is okay. So here, here's, I'm going to say Andre 3000. Yes. And yes. And Ghostface. Yes. And Ghostface. Oh, oh my yeah. And, and, but like, remind me this, you know, who I when's really, your birthday? Can I say this? When's your birthday? Can I say that? Uh, 10, 10, 75. Okay. J. Cole's really Sorry, yeah. good. I I agree. I agree. Like I'll take Jake, I'll take I'll take J. Cole if anyone wants to put him on the list. And I and I feel like I I feel like I don't respect Kendrick Lamar enough, but I feel like our list is almost identical. I agree with the Kendrick. I like I'm hit or miss with him. Sometimes I just I'm like okay, but majority of the yeah. time I'm like nah. But you know the younger age they love him. But man, yeah. Andre, yeah. Ghostface, yes, you did well there. I know you felt the pressure, but you did well. I did, I, I did, and I. It's like yep. um, I know I'll leave someone out that I'll be mad about later. And if yep. I did already, let tell me. Oh, Eminem. <laughs> Where's Eminem on that list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still a good one, though. Still good. All right, I'll leave Eminem out. Okay. Um. What's your thoughts about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, it's cut. It's cut. Anyone okay. say, I'm up with this. If you're mm. over the age of 11, <laughs> <laughs> then, then no. Um, I, will judge, you, I will judge you. I will judge you if you put ketchup on your macaroni. And that's like, for me, like that is the most Canadian of Canadian things to do. 
so I understand yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ketchup on macaroni is like if yeah. you were to if you if I was to go to Thailand and they said, "Hey, what, what's a really Canadian dish?" I go, "If you put ketchup on your macaroni, man, that's <laughs> that's Canadian." <laughs> That's awesome. But like when we just started this thing, we brought that up and uh, like I'm good buddies with uh, Kyle Turris, right? Of Nashville. Yeah. And so yeah. he tweeted, at, he tweeted at me something about, you know, him, him loving and he did a video of, you know, ketchup on macaroni. And then it like, it kind of semi went viral. And then next thing you know, they interviewed him on, on Sportsnet, like from quarantine and they, whoever was interviewing brought, brought it up about ketchup on macaroni. So, yeah. but thank you. I'm, I'm very, very anti, like, why are we doing that? Like, no, stay away. Yeah. Ketchup, ketchup as like, uh, we've had this on the show before. Um, and yeah. I don't know why it's such a polarizing topic, but ketchup is a polarizing yeah. topic. And for me, ketchup is a masker of taste and you throw ketchup on ish that you don't like even fries you put ketchup yeah. on bad fries if you've got good fries leave them alone those things are naked eat them nice. don't mask them right. should we just pause here and let everybody reflect on that yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is truth I'm, I'm dropping knowledge like rakim did back in 1985 straight, straight up we'll throw in some scratching <laughs> there yeah. <laughs> Two more questions for you. Thanks so much for doing this again, man. This has been so fun and like I just love your story and your journey and and it's this is this is great and I think a lot of people will be able to take many things away and just your humble sort of fun Good. positive attitude about life and everything is awesome. So, um you get in the car with the kids, you got a few bucks, you go to 7-Eleven, what's the bag of chips you're grabbing? Oh, that's a good one. Now my We've sharing had with expenses. the kids. You see, no, you these put are the kids you. in the car. Oh. No, these are me. Just me. They're going. They're getting a Slurpee, and you're getting a bag of chips, and you're like, you're not touching my chips. Oh, that, that depends on the day. I'm a connoisseur. For, let me let me first off say that I'm a connoisseur of chips, and Love that uh, I feel like I am an expert in this category, Ooh. and and. It depends on the day. Um, yeah, I can go. Me. I can go if I'm feeling spicy. I go all dressed. Okay. I will go ketchup chip. I am anti ketchup. I will go ketchup chip, and I will also go a plain lay, whether it be ruffled or not. Um, dip or no dip, just straight up. When I dip, you dip. We dip. Put your hands up on my hip. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I left that part out. <laughs> but but I will say, uh, yeah, I, I my wife my wife introduced me to dipping plain chips in in plain yogurt. Have you ever done that? Ooh, good lord, no. Try it. Try wow. it. It's a healthy alternative to whatever crap dip they put in that aisle that has been sitting there for forty five days and has an expiry date for four years. And I have no idea how they did that, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then you so, just uh, off when sitting with the bag, right? Like the more chips to go, the bigger the pile of dip on that chip goes. Yeah. Right. Good, good answer. Right. Or have sure. you tried the Doritos ketchup? No. I'm not a big Doritos guy. No. Ooh. no. Okay. So then if it's all dressed, what all dressed is it? Uh, 
Yeah, that's probably that's probably a ruffles. Yeah, you got to go yeah. ruffles, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you on the ketchup and and all dressed for sure. Those are two, those are two of my top three without question. But the, the the thing is, is if if you're driving, you can't go ketchup, right? Like it's it gets everywhere. all over yeah. your fingers and then it's on the steering yeah. wheel. Then it's on the dashboard yeah. when you touch the controls, like you, yeah. you got to have some time for ketchup chips. You really, you really are a connoisseur. Yeah, you really, <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm not playing yeah. around here. All right. Last one. <laughs> no, what we I, got here. What we got last question. And it's, it's a serious question. Oh, okay. and it's, I was all into the, he's all disappointed. He's like, yeah. keep them coming. Keep yeah. them coming. <laughs> Right, give me another one here. I'm crushing these all dressed and ketchup. Yeah. Tell Kyle Turris to stuff his ketchup on his macaroni. I don't care if he exactly. went to St. Thomas more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you could do it all again, you would. Oof. I can't even say not change a thing. Um, I would enjoy it more. I would enjoy it more. That would be my answer. I would enjoy it more because um, we can get we can, I, I'm I'm a work ethic guy and I hope that it's come across um, in this because I believe that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard I believe that in everything that I do um, and I believe I'm a hard work guy and then when you marry talent to that hard work it works but if you don't enjoy it along the way it's useless and uh, I've been in some pretty good moments and some pretty cool moments, and I've done some pretty cool things, and I've talked to some really cool people. And I always, um, I always was in the moment, and I tried to be like, this isn't going to overwhelm me. Um, mm-hmm. But I should have had more fun doing it along the way, um, and whatever that is. And I think I, I, yeah. I um, you know, like, there's, I'll tell a quick story here, and I know that I'm, wasting way no. too much time. Um, and I don't know if, I don't even know if he'll be cool with this. Um, but we interviewed Bobby Orr, and for some reason, the dudes that are older than me always got me nervous. The guys that were around my age, I never really got nervous or younger, like interviewing mm-hmm. Vince Carter for me, wasn't like a big deal. Um, and interviewing, um, like I went to a couple Super Bowls and, you know, um, talking to, uh, Heinz Ward, um, wasn't that big a deal to me or Anquan Bolden. Um, but the guys older than me, I always had this, like, um, there was like a reverence and, and Bobby Orr is probably even like beyond our generation. And I'm going to put you in my group. I don't even know if you're the same age as me, but, um, he's a little too old for me. Like I'm 44 now. And, uh, I, I knew he was amazing. I knew he's one of the top three players of all time for sure. And he came on the radio show and I had this reverence and he was like, just this down to earth, like laughing, joking, jovial guy. And at the end of it, he was like, Hey, that was a lot of fun guys. And we were, you know, it was me and Sid and we were being ourselves and, and I was really nervous, but we were trying to make it, fun for him and make it a little different from the normal thing that he does. And so we're on, we're on the TV on radio at the time It was just radio, but they would simulcast their radio shows and Bobby Orr is laughing and he leaves and you know, you don't really believe him. He's it's like, this was fun, man. This was different than anything I've ever done. And, and 
he's it's a commercial break and no one can hear this and so he's leaving and sid and i were like oh my god like bobby Orr, like sounds like he really had a good time and um sid's like do you believe him and i'm like what do you mean you know like is he like just pumping our tires and part of me like nervous and is like oh yeah maybe he was just he's been around the business that long he was you know pumping our tires just having fun to give us a little bit of a you know confidence boost and make us feel good and you know curry favor with us maybe moving forward and so we're doing the rest of the show and about an hour later he's finished the car wash at sportsnet and he comes walking by the studio with his entourage of like four or five people that were helping him along the way and all we hear is like this banging on the glass and it's Bobby Orr, and he gives us double birds. <laughs> he drops, <laughs> he drops a couple of middle fingers on us, and like a big laugh and a chuckle, and, and <laughs> both of us are just like, "Oh my God, Bobby Orr just gave us the double birds!" And we couldn't, you know, we didn't want to tell anybody. We we, we, yeah, we made it. Yeah, and I was like, you know. A lot of times we had those like amazing moments and I wouldn't let myself to kind of enjoy those moments. And here's Bobby Orr enjoying the moment and he's 70 and he's maybe the greatest player of all time. And, uh, and I was just like, ah, I got, I, it was like a great reminder, like just enjoy whatever you're doing and like politically correct. Now, if someone saw him do that, and we were on TV when he did it, right? Like no one taped it and put it on the internet or nothing. Like it was just, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now yeah. politically correct people would get all upset that, you know, that NHL legend drops middle finger on TV show yeah. <laughs> instead of just laughing that this guy was having a blast and yeah. thought that we were his boys. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think too, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just human nature, whether you're what, whatever you do for a career, you're a coach, like we kind of dwell on the, we dwell on the negative or it's just our instinct to dwell on the negative, right? Um, yeah, to get better, maybe, you're trying, yeah. Yeah, we look, in the, we look in the mirror and we maybe see the negative things inside of us or, you know, as a coach, you, you remember the tough losses and you don't take time to celebrate the good victories or whatever it is that's important to you, you know? So I think that's a huge thing. Um, cause we're st- like, we've talked about, we still want to learn and grow and you hopefully have, you know, years and years and years of in, in this business. And hopefully I can teach, you know, until I just am ready to be done, but in- enjoy everything that happens along the way. I think that's a huge takeaway yeah. to wrap up today's podcast. So, um, that's amazing. And players stuff, too. I, I yeah. players too. Like you never know. Yeah. Like I, I worked so hard and then I ended up with that torn ACL, broken leg, separated shoulder. And, you know, I yeah. wish I, 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 the locker room was taken from me and mm-hmm. you don't realize how amazing that dressing room, that locker room, um, can be when you have the right group of people. So enjoy yeah. it. And if there's the wrong group of people, tell somebody and make it the right group of people. Cause, uh, that is an amazing time in your life. So enjoy it for sure. Yeah. That's amazing stuff right there. Yeah. And upon reflection, so many people, that's been the fun part too, is listening to their stories. And then they kind of prep in their own head before we meet with them because they want to do a good job and they they get to go down their own memory lane and, and bring out some of those fun memories for themselves that maybe they realized, hey, I should have enjoyed that time just that much more, right? And you're totally right. Like the the locker room, what did Jeff Gurley said? uh we like the we like to coach the kids that are good in the van, you know, like the kids that yeah. create a good culture, you know. So yeah. good stuff. 
Um, again, thank you so much. Before we let you go, I don't know if there's a, a random shout out or something you want to give. Love the feedback. Love the stories. Um, have always appreciated you as a person and like who you are and what you stand for. I don't, you know, I don't know you great as a, as a human being, but the interactions we have had and what I see that you stand for on TV and through social media, I think is important. I think you're a good example. Um, you know, a good Canadian story for many people that, if you want something, go get it and work hard for it. And, and um, we wish you nothing but continued success and all the best with your family through whatever the next level of pandemic as your kids get ready to go back to school. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we wish you nothing but the best. So if you have a little shout out or if you're good to go, then, you know, thanks so much no, for being I, on. A, a I, I really appreciate it. Um, and I, and I try to work hard to be that guy. Um, and I, and sometimes I feel like, um, people don't recognize, I think there's, there's people out there that uh, feel the need to put it out there on social media, what they do and how they do it. And I'm just not that guy. Um, and sometimes I feel like it's lost. Um, because if you don't watch the show, you might not see all the stuff. So I appreciate that you appreciate that I stand up for what I believe in and, and all of that stuff. And I, I do appreciate that people recognize it. And if there's one thing that I can impart to the people in Vancouver is that we haven't forgot about you. <laughs> we get a lot of, uh, yeah, yeah. Toronto guys. Um, and I've worked hard my whole career to not be that guy. And this little Canucks mm -hmm. run, I think is going to bring out a lot in, uh, in these Toronto guys that are out there. So uh, yeah. enjoy it while you got it, Vancouver. And I can't wait for the Grizzlies to return. Boom. Love it. Yeah. I, <laughs> there's, no, there's no salt for me here. I, you know, I know you guys bust your humps to try to do, and there's so many different things you got to cover. And you know what, at the end of the day, you're not going to make everyone happy. But, uh, you know, one of the cool things was during this pandemic time was, you know, you actually, just send me a message on Twitter and just, Hey man, I'm just checking in on, on people who matter to me and hoping everyone's good. And, and that's something that really stuck with me is like, you know, you didn't have to take the time to do that. And that meant a lot. It also, it also motivated, made it motivated me to reach out to other people as well. And I think that awesome. pay it forward is huge. Right. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So I appreciate that. And, and you're absolutely right. Can't wait for the Grizz, um, to come back. I will be the, uh, dude with like the full grizzly kit on. <laughs> I won't uh, be too. like grown man with a business suit and me a jersey too. on. I'll have like a full kit with like some high top. And who knows, yeah, yeah. maybe one day you'll be able to call a game for us, you know? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh make sure it's make make sure it's big country that you rock, all right? I'll do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> you watch Hunting Big Big Country? Have you watched that docu? No. Oh, so a girl out here, um, she actually made it, made it to ESPN. Check it out. It's called Finding Big oh, Country. So right. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. I did see that. It's, you, I know I know. time I, is limited for you, but she did an amazing job, and, and she tracked him down, and it's super, super cool. It's very good. Yeah, very well done. you know what? I, I got to put that back on the to-do list. There we go. Uh, great clothes. Yeah. I'm going to put that on. Yeah. I, I know Perfect. exactly what you're talking about now, and I haven't seen it, and I need to put that yeah. on. I'm actually typing it into my computer right now. They put it on awesome, Sportsnet man. too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. 
it's worth the watch. It's really, she did a great job. So shout out to Kat for that. Um, this is probably good that you are in, in the dot and we're out here on the West Coast because I feel like once we hit stop record, you know, if we were at the pub, we our wives would be calling us in five hours wondering where we were. So um, we will let, <laughs> yeah. we'll let, we'll let you go on your way, be a family man on your day off again, um, wholeheartedly from, from Corbin and myself. We appreciate you taking the time. It does mean a lot. And uh, I think your story is amazing and we appreciate you giving us you know, some insight into who you are and how you got to where you are and, and some lessons that um, we can all learn along the way. So we wish you nothing but the best, um, Timmy from the block. All right, man. Be well, stay well. Thanks for this. You bet. Shout out to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. Everybody take care of themselves, keep the circles tight, and we'll see you on our next episode.